or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to the Masterclass, the Manchester United tactical podcast. My name's Heydar Abani. We are back, Rob, for a brand new season, a brand new Masterclass. And what a way to do it. What an absolutely fantastic performance. You were there, Rob. I can't even tell you how jealous I was or am of you at the game yesterday. Absolutely amazing. It was, Old Trafford was electric. We obviously saw some of our new signings. Manchester United were unplayable. Pogba, Bruno Fernandes, fantastic. Manchester United tore Leeds apart again. That's now 11 goals we've scored against them at home over the last year. Welcome back, Rob. How are you feeling after that fantastic win? You look you look revitalised. You look like you're glowing. You've been Old Trafford. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a year or over a year since you've been. And uh, yeah, you're one of the lucky few that was able to go. Yep, a classic day at the Theatre of Dreams against one of our most dreaded enemies. So it was all set up to be a fantastic day. But of course... When you play a team like Leeds United, it could be anything. You could come away heartbroken and uh, a bit miffed about what you saw. But of course, Manchester United, they produced the script, they read it and they performed it. And that was what was important yesterday. Um, so many things to talk about, all positive, all leaning towards where we want to see Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's team. Um, and just, you know, just here we are now. Manchester City have just lost their opening game of the season as we've gone live. Uh, and United have effectively a five-goal swing on them already and three points. So it's the first game of the season. We don't get too high. We don't get too low. Though, of course, you can get high when you've won 5-1. But ultimately, it's what you wanted. It's the perfect start to the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, questions here saying, can we dream? Look, you can 100% you can. yesterday. This is, this is what I want to say. To go and play like that in the opening game. And I think United are really building something special here. You know, we can talk about should they be challenged, should they not? But that's not really the point, you know. After about seven years, Rob, I will say this. I said this in the last podcast we did that. This is the most excited I've been going into the season because I see real quality. I see real together. I see uh, a group of players who will fight tooth and nail for their manager. And that is so evident to see. I see a happy Paul Pogba, in my opinion. Right, he might not sign a new deal or we don't know what's going on there. But I see a player that's very, very happy in Manchester United. I see the player that's enjoying playing in Manchester United, enjoying playing with world-class players like Bruno Fernandes. I mean, that, that's a positive, isn't it? You know, we, we talk about the gloom, oh, United should always aim for first. But at the end of the day, Rob, looking at what we saw yesterday and looking at what we're building, we're not too far off, are we? We're not too far off. And it's, look, it's one of these things, isn't it? You know, we look, you look at squad building, we look at tactics, and this show is about tactics. And we'll talk about that today. But man management and morale are huge parts of winning titles and winning championships. You have to find that balance between players doing their jobs, players trusting each other, and then also carrying out the, the manager's instructions. So, it, you know, this is why I use the word holistic every week, because it is about holistic team building. So it's all of the factors that come together. And I think we did see that on the pitch yesterday. One of the things I said, actually, at Old Trafford yesterday to quite a few people, was that it reminded me of the game against Fulham, 
when United won the title, it was the first key Ronaldo year. So it wasn't his first year at the club, but it was the first year he truly popped. And I think United were 4-0 up in about 28 minutes in that game. And I can remember being at that game, was it now, well, 12 years ago or something? uh, 13 years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going back that far. And and I can remember that feeling that day and walking out the stadium thinking you'd just seen something really special. And we haven't had an opening day like that for a really long time. So that's how yesterday felt was that, you know, there were ups and downs. Obviously, Leeds scored that cracking goal, which... uh, came from a Manchester United era, and we'll break that down as well here today. Um, And that could have been the catalyst for a collapse, or it could have been Manchester United maybe going back into their shell, playing more defensively, trying to nick a goal to win the game 2-1. What it did, it kind of triggered the beast. they They went absolutely forward. They looked like they wanted to really hurt Leeds. They looked like offended, which I thought was the best thing. You know, the team actually felt like, what's going on here? This was like not how dare you fans. score against us. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, in, and in the past, you know, especially if you think about the last couple of seasons where United have lost lots of home games. It's always been because United kind of clam up at, at the first sight of failure. And what you saw yesterday was that United were 1-0 up and cruising. And it went to one all, which was a surprise, obviously a great goal. And then Manchester United said, right, we're going to come out and give you a whooping. And that's exactly what they did. And that's rare. We haven't seen that from United in the past. That that kind of elite confidence that only teams that truly know that they can hurt opponents have. You know, most teams do not have that. So the fact that it kind of played out in that manner was beautiful because I think that kind of takes you forward. You feel that they can do that in every game. And now it's about just keeping players fit, integrating the players that didn't play yesterday and Ole keeping that mood high. You know, I always talk about pepping the balloon up. You know, that's how you kind of cope. You just keep everything running smoothly and let all the moving parts take shape. Um, And we saw that yesterday. Hopefully we'll see that now going forward. Yeah, well said, Rob. And guys, look, if you're listening to this on Twitter, do come over to the YouTube channel, subscribe there. We have a lot more content coming on. We are doing a fancy football show. Rob will be doing his Rob Cup United Daily Show. So if you are on Twitter, do come over, hit the subscribe button, and we'd love you to join us on our journey here. And before we do start as well, Rob, I just want to give a shout out to one of our great friends of the show, the United Link, for his continued support. You All of you have been amazing, but United Link has been a really great supporter of us. If you don't follow him on Twitter, I'm sure you do. He's got 120,000 followers, but do give him a follow as well because he's a, a great account in news. He's very objective in his approach. We like to think we are as well, and uh, I think... We want you guys to be following loads of great accounts like that. But let's go, Rob. Let's start with the sort of breakdown in the formation. So what we're going to do is we're going to go up the uh, the who scored uh, uh, sort of metrics and uh, their graphic up here. And as you can see, look, United 4-2-3-1, it looks like. But it wasn't really a 4-2-3-1, was it? We had Pogba as almost a floating eight. So let's talk about that a little bit. How do you think we could be going forward in the season with Paul Pogba because I think he will stay and do you think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has actually found a way to get more out of Paul Pogba than we've seen from any well Jose Mourinho before that or anyone else at his time at Manchester United right well was it a 4-2-3-1 or was it a transitional 4-3-3 I believe it's a 4-2-3-1 why do I say that it's because United always play it it's not a system that United kind of chop and change with But it's about the moving pieces within that. So what we saw yesterday in that game was, as you just highlighted there, was about the kind of Paul Paul Pogba being freed to do Paul Pogba things in a part of the pitch that matters. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't matter when you take the ball off a centre-back. Of course it does. But it's harder to play the killer ball. And I said this for the whole of the masterclass in the first season, 
that you cannot do that from those areas. You can play 60-yard balls to your blue in the face, but you've got to find a way to be more dangerous at the top end of the pitch. So United played 4-2-3-1 against Leeds, but it was how they facilitated that. And this victory wasn't about Paul Pogba. Now, that might sound weird because he got four assists and played a fantastic game. And this wasn't about Bruno Fernandes scoring a hat-trick. What this was about was about how the functionality in front of your back four works. How do you protect? How do you stop the opponent? How do you get the ball, retain the ball, and move it on? And we won this game because of Fred and McTominay. Now, that is not going to be your populist line. You're not going to hear that on many of the fan channels. People won't talk about this, but this is how it goes. Because what happened in that first half, United kind of played about 35 minutes of kind of high-intensity high football, um, kind of finding their way into the game, taking control. And I think the last 10 minutes of that first half, it kind of went off a little bit. McTominay got injured, found it difficult to be mobile. And they just sort of saw, obviously, the first half out being in the lead. In the second half, that's when Leeds struck. And that goal came about from the failure of the double pivot. So I think you see from the throw-in that it goes across McTominay. And because he's not fit, because he's been injured you know, 20 minutes before and he's still limping, he kind of lets the runner go across him and Fred doesn't read it. So they're a little bit withdrawn and they run across the area without any tackling. Obviously gets to Aileen, Aileen takes touch, bang, top corner, one all. That's that. But after that, the double pivot did nothing wrong for the rest of the game. And what it does, it shores up the area. It's not two defensive midfielders. United did not play with two DMs yesterday. Fred scored a goal inside the box. Why? Into the box. No, he doesn't get in there if he's a defensive midfielder, does he? He's not allowed. Scott McTominay was bursting forward for most of the game when he was given license. So you saw McTominay try to double up with James. So James played very wide yesterday. When you look at the shape in the 4-2-3-1, he was probably the widest player on the whole of the football pitch, even with the fullbacks maybe coming a little bit more narrow than usual. Um, but you saw that the link play was about the front four. How do you make the front four work with a kind of danger-free aspect. So if you give the ball away, so if you look here, obviously, on our graphic here we've got from who scored, you can see that that's the basic shape of the team, a shape that we all know very, very well. And you can see that Bruno there is essentially the number 10. But if he gives the ball away in that area and, say, Fred and McTominay are deeper and United maybe in a, in a low block, maybe with a six there, that means there's a lot of space in the midfield to kind of create a round. Now, that wasn't there. United play a high line naturally every week. So Maguire and Lindelof basically play on a halfway line. That's how they play. And that allows your fullbacks to kind of move on. But it doesn't stop the double pivot sitting. The double pivot doesn't sit and create a block. What ends up happening is normally one will go and one will stay. And Fred McTominay did that to perfection yesterday. Now, I'm still reading every day and even on Twitter last night and this morning, if United get a defensive midfielder, it's game on. It's game on already. You saw it yesterday. Leeds United are a good team. They're not particularly great defensively, but United took them to the sword with what they had. And they had no Rashford on the pitch. They had no essentially no Sancho. Martial's obviously coming back. He didn't play. Cavani wasn't playing. There's no, no Cavani. All of the extra weapons weren't even there on the day. And United made it look easy. And that is one of the kind of best points of it. 
So this system does work because 4231 allows you to transition in the way you want to transition. It's not the same as 433. It really isn't. 433 pressing style is different to a 4231, very much so. But when you look at that shape there, Mason Greenwood spent a lot of the time kind of in Dan James's position. And Dan James almost was a kind of wing back at times going around the outside of him. Not particularly effective. Probably Dan was maybe the least effective player on the pitch yesterday, but I don't think that's important because the team played so well. But when you look at that actual shape, Greenwood went into that channel and also went in the opposite channel, where he scored his goal with Pogba playing that fantastic ball. You know, that's what a striker needs to do, operate in both channels. So I loved it that it was so visceral yesterday because it just dispels the mythology that 4-2-3-1 is not an attacking system. If you do it properly, especially in England... It is an attacking system. They're not two defensive midfielders. They're more defensive-minded. They're responsible midfielders, so they're not going to give away the space. But that's why you play them. Yeah, they're not the best passers of the ball, but get the front four passing the ball and get them doing it in the danger areas. And you can hurt teams like Leeds United, who, let's let's face it, are one of the better Premier League teams, aren't they? They're a mid-table side who are going to get a lot of points this season because they've got good players. But United managed to shut all that down by playing their own game and playing to their own philosophy. So Something I want to add to that as well, Rob, is actually, if you think about it, so let's say Rashford was playing instead of Paul Pogba, I say, on the left. Mm -hmm. Just an example. I, I actually think that Sancho is closer in the, not in the mould of Paul Pogba, but with Sancho, you have a bit more, a bit better ball retention than feet, at the ball at his feet than you say Marcus Rashford. But if you'd yeah. had, if you'd had Rashford there yesterday, I don't think United would have scored five goals. And I'll tell you why, because you can play McFred if you've got someone with the ball playing ability like Paul Pogba, Paying off that left-hand side, in my opinion. And that's why I think mm -hmm. going forward, that's why I want to see Paul Pogba. But before we go into uh, Pogba a little bit more, I just want to talk about Mason, because you didn't mention him. And I absolutely agree with what you said about Mason Greenwood. That finish yesterday, Rob, that whole goal was just, it was just unbelievable. No, I think no other player in, in United squad finishes it like the way Mason did. Full stride into that bottom-hand corner. Great pass by Pogba. Something that Mason, for me, which was quite key for me yesterday is that he gave United a lot of balance, you know, sort of tactically. So like you said, he drifted to the left. What that allowed Pogba to do is almost step inside and create. And we saw that with his passing range yesterday. Another thing that Greenland was doing really well was that he was dropping deeper and allowed Bruno to make those runs in behind. And these sort of rotations is what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wants, doesn't he? He wants that fluidity with the forward line. So let's talk to talk about Mason a bit more because I was a little bit surprised. I mean, I know Martial still coming back from injury, but Mason as number nine, I thought he looked fantastic yesterday. And I think he's really, he can really push himself forward to be that number one choice, number nine for the season. Okay, let's talk about Mason, but let's pause it for a little bit because it all adds up into a kind of bigger picture. So like you're talking there about what Pogba did, what Bruno did. Bruno playing the second man runner, which is something he needs to do more of. He doesn't do it always. He's great at pressing the ball, but he's not always the best at the second man run. And then it's about what does your striker do? So let's take Greenwood out of the picture and just talk about the striker because this is the whole point. United scored five goals yesterday and I made a comment that United wouldn't have scored goals, the five goals, not without Marcus Rashford on the left, but if we'd had Cavani through the middle. So everyone loves Cavani and Cavani does Cavani things. He does striker things and everyone gets very excited by that. But yesterday it was about how you played the channels. So Manchester United beat Leeds yesterday by that big scoreline because of how they play between the lines and through the channels. And that is how United are going to win the title this year. 
That is, if they do it, it will be because they do that successfully week after week. When we talk channel football, most people would expect that Rashford is better than Pogba in the channel, and that's because he's quick. But as I keep saying, you don't need to be quick to play the channel ball. You just need to be good at making the first out pass and see it before it's there. So you know, just, just talking about Greenwood, right, again, in context of that. So what did Greenwood do? Greenwood didn't sit as a number nine in the middle and just play off a defender and with his back to goal. I think we talked about this last week as well in a couple of our other podcasts about what a number nine does. And as I said, number nine is no longer kind of come to the ball and play with their back to goal. Maybe people think like Lukaku might do that or, or a similar kind of more physical number nine. But that's not really how United play. And that's certainly not how maybe the modern game is going. Mason Greenwood basically played Mason Greenwood's game yesterday. It doesn't matter if he's the number nine or if he's playing to the right of a three. It doesn't matter. He played his game. So when you look at the goal that he scored, he sniffed that out from the left channel. So that ball came from Pogba. And we know that I think when you look at the assist that Paul Pogba gave, gave a lot of people moan about what is an assist. And sometimes, you know, if it's a little tap pass like two yards ago, oh, that wasn't really an assist. And there should be some kind of XG alternative as to what's a real assist. Well, Paul Pogba's four assists yesterday were proper assists where he's seen it in a way that no one else on the football pitch can see it. But Greenwood knows this. Greenwood makes that run because the ball is at Paul Pogba's feet. Greenwood does not make that run if it's at Rashford's feet or if it's at Fred's feet or if it's at McTominay's feet. But because it's at Paul Pogba's feet, he knows Paul can make that pass. And that's essential. Like People might not realise that when you train, but that's why you train with people, because you start to learn what they can do and what's their, what's their ceiling. And that ball from Pogba, I watched it in real time there, and I thought, what is he doing? Like I looked, saw Dan James on the right-hand side. It was completely free, and they had space on the right, and I thought, switch it, switch it. But Paul Pogba saw a pass that no one else saw in that stadium. He somehow whipped that ball behind the defender and put it perfectly on a plate for Mason to take one And he's one the touch. only player in the, in, in, on the pitch that could have made that pass as well. He's maybe one of the only players in the whole of England who can make that pass. Maybe the whole of Europe. This is where the appreciation factor needs to be higher. So it's about where you play Paul Pogba. So yesterday was about that. What position do you play him? Because if you played him in a double pivot, then I don't think United win this game 5-1. I really don't. But a lot of people still want to see Paul Pogba playing deep because they think that you need to be a kind of have ball retention in that area and, ha and have someone who can pass the ball. Yes, that is preferable. But you need dogs who work. And I always call Fred and McTominay Man United's dogs because that's what they do. They go and do the hard, sweaty work. And that's what you need in title winning teams. You need people who can get, give you the balance. And then that front four can thrive. So even Dan James, who didn't have a particularly good game, got tons of opportunity in the first half and some in the second because United was so efficient behind him and he was able to run and go because the channel's free. And that's how you play football. That's the modern game. I just want to talk about Bruno off the back of that because I think it all adds up together. Is that Bruno yesterday saw that the way Greenwood was pulling into that left channel, that it meant that he could pull into the right channel a little bit more. And you saw with those goals that he scored, it was all about getting in the penalty area, but specifically in that right channel. That's where he started every time. Now, that's not a mistake. That is something that's practiced. That is tactical. That will be his manager saying, here's my tactics. This is what I want you to do and make that run. And they were doing it over and over and over again. And even though they didn't create more chances, they created more than enough chances to score five goals. And if you do that, then you're happy. But that front four works really, really well. 
Dan James is part of that, even though he wasn't particularly good individually. But United's season is going to be about Paul Pogba playing what he calls and what other people call the floating eight. So if you've got the double pivot and people don't like that term for two midfielders in the middle, Paul Pogba isn't a left-sided forward, is he? He's not really in the number 11. He doesn't go that wide. He can go there if he wants to, but it's about freedom to come backwards and forwards and re receive the ball in space to then go and kill the opponent. He killed the opponent yesterday, Paul Pogba, but he had a really, really good supporting cast. Bruno Fernandes does not get that hat-trick unless Paul Pogba is on that pitch. And it's as simple as that, because normally when Bruno has to come back and do a little bit more of that creative work a bit deeper... You lose what he has going forward, Rob. Yeah, then, then Cavani, like we've said last season a lot, didn't we, that when Cavani and Bruno play together, the issue was that they were too far apart. So Bruno would drop deeper and Cavani would be trying to play off the last man. So it then ends up being a kind of 40-yard ball into space rather than a 10-yard pass through the channel. And you've got to kind of make football simple. So yesterday, the best thing about United was it was oh so simple. The whole game, the, the game plan was simple. They were like, when we get the ball from the pivot, we're going to move it quick and we're going to burst. It wasn't It wasn't counter-attack football. It was pure football. It was on the deck, seeing passes, seeing stuff open up. It was a chess match played at high speed. And United were doing it like you would expect an elite team in Europe to do it. Whereas maybe the year two, three, four back, we were not seeing anything close to this. And this is why I defend Ole, not because I'm an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer fan or a kind of, you know, legacy fan or whatever they want to call them these days. It's because he's getting these tactics right. He's training this team to do this. And I've seen it progressively through last season. And this is the first game of a new season. And it's still carrying on. And I'm very excited because there's still players to come back. Yeah, well said, Rob. Something I do want to touch on as well. Then I've got we've got a lot of questions here regarding you know what happens to Rashford uh, when he's fit. So what happens to Pogba when Rashford's fit? But let, let me just um, sort of bring up another point here, which I thought United did very well, and we weren't seeing a couple of seasons ago. So the off the ball movement yesterday was very key to United's win. Mm -hmm. and I actually think it was the best part of their their display. Now, I think one what United did very very well, you know, sort of as you know, especially the attacking players, is that they were looking to drag, you know. Leads defensive unit, so they're dragging the midfielders and the centre backs, and this created a lot of space. And what United did so well is they literally—it was like a, like a hot knife through butter. They just cut straight through them. And we we saw two occasions, obviously the Pogba pass and the Lindelof pass as well was fantastic. And that's we know that's what Victor Lindelof can do. Yeah. It's very funny because I said to someone yesterday when I was watching, I said, you know, watch Victor Lindelof now have an absolute worldie of a couple of performances now that someone like Varane has come in. But uh, yeah. I just thought we know what Lindelof's weaknesses are. We know that he's not strong under aerial the ball he is weak defensively but as a ball playing center back he is fantastic at what he does and he's got a really good pass on him and that pass for bruno's got i mean that goal was just incredible wasn't it the, the first time hit for his hat trick but that's really? what united did so well is that off the ball movement and something that we i've said for at least a lot of times last season come on guys we need these attacking players to you know they like ball to feet they don't like to make um make those runs or make that movement but i think united are getting much better at that as an attacking unit so that's something i want to add but um you know there's a lot of questions here so you know what happens to pogba and rashford is fit i mean what do you say to that put marcus rashford on the bench yeah i think so as well i think he'd be better that, off the bench that, that, the, the, thing, the thing i don't know if he's, he'll be better off i think like, we have to be careful what we say marcus rashford is a starter there's no doubt about it but you pick your best team so nobody gets kind of their dues paid for whatever reason whether they've been at the club a long time or they're new or they're worth 100 million pound we've just seen this with jack Grealish from manchester city 100 million pounds he has to play every week oh that might be a problem you play the players that fit your system the best 
what we saw yesterday was pretty much United's best selection for that system. You can obviously include Varane in that. Varane will come into the team. That means Victor Lindorf will be sacrificed and he'll have to go on the bench. That's just the way it goes. You know, but if Varane, you know, either gets injured or Maguire gets injured, you know that Lindorf will step in and you know you've got a very competent centre-back to come back into the team. And I look at the same with Marcus. So, when Marcus comes back, if he's electric, I said this, uh, I think, on our last show as well, 32 goal assists and goals in goal involvements, I should say, last season, proves that he's one of the elite forwards in world football. It's true, you know. So it's about your shape. So the whole idea is how do you accommodate Paul Pogba? And what we saw yesterday was how you do that. And I think this is where it will be, is that Paul Pogba said during the Euros and before that he wants to be a creator of goals and a goal scorer, which means he needs to play higher up the pitch and around the edge of the box. And that's really the kind of whole philosophy of this floating eight system about how do you play this. So when other teams play 4-2-3-1 on an attacking sense, quite often they say they're three tens, three tens behind the number nine. But it's not as kind of simple as that for United because of the way they play in that position. So you find that Fernandes is really more traditional 10. Dan James is almost like a traditional 11, going much wider, looking for the space to drive into in this system. And Paul Pogba is the floating eight because he's the guy that will drop in, maybe come and take the ball or Fred a few yards further, or he might even go the opposite way into space if it's there and ask for the ball much higher up the pitch, maybe in a Jack Grealish territory, you know, in that left-hand side, not quite a winger, but in that space in the channel. That's what United did yesterday. And I think that this is the system that Ole wants to play because it is much more attacking in terms of like a 4-3-3 when it's like this. 4-3-3 is much more simple to defend against because it's a pressing style. And United do press, but it's, it's normally kind of a... It's normally kind of stretch second man press. It's not. It's not kind of how yeah, man. It's not, not how Man City do it. It's not. It's not as a unit. It's not really like that. It's more individual style. So, for instance, if the ball goes back to the goalkeeper. You found. You saw yesterday that Greenwood would press hard, and then you saw that Bruno was maybe occupying space which he doesn't normally. Normally, he's the guy that presses, and maybe Cavani would sit a little bit deeper and allow that press to happen together. So that's how United tend to do it. And I think you'll see that in the weeks to come, that even when United play different systems and different teams, bigger or smaller, they're not really going to switch away from this 4-2-3-1. And unfortunately, guys, I know you all don't want it, but McFred are going to play games together because they are the best at the double pivot. It still means that they're not going to be the most cultured, but they don't need to be. They just need to allow the cultured player to go and do the cultured stuff up the top. And that helps you win football matches. This is, as I said, it's a chess game. This is not about just entertainment. But hey, if Man United could do that yesterday with a double pivot of McFred and win by five goals, why is anyone complaining? I think most people are not. I think what we've seen today also is a lot of people are a bit like this because there's not really a lot to complain about. Yeah, absolutely. And something I do want to add as well, we, we talk about Rashford. There are going to be times where we're going to come up against opposition, you know, where we will perhaps um, will play on the counter and Marcus Rashford is devastating at that. So there's so many different games. Exactly. Not every, not every single game you're going to have Paul playing. Uh, some games he's not going to be suited to be out on the left, you know. And so and it's, know, right, it's right team, to say, yeah, it's right to say to all of the squad, earn your place. Yeah, it's right. You know, it's right to say to Donny van der Beek, get in the gym, Donny, you know, which is what United have done. United said, go and sort it out. You know, you have to sort your inefficiencies out. If Marcus needs to have better ball retention or he needs to be a more effective player, then go and do that. You know, if you're not doing that, then we're going to ask why. So it's the same about Paul Pogba is that 
We know what he's good at, but let's be honest, for years he's been used in this kind of phone number six way. And we've said for years, it's not really what he's good at. He can do it. He can give you that, you know, that kind of ball retention in that part of the park. But you don't win the game from that part of the park. Not really. Only then when you allow the forwards to go and win you the game, do you say you win it from the pivot. That's when you say. So that's like that game yesterday was about allowing that function to work. And then allowing the other guys to play with freedom. And that was the beautiful thing about United yesterday. It was total football. You know, it was everything. It was There was a little bit of counter. There was some long passing. There was some short passing. There was some kind of join the dots football. Paul Pogba overlapped for the goal, you know, for, for Fred. They did everything and they did it correctly. And all of that is kind of like the dream scenario off the training pitch because they would have practiced that and they would have made it work. And they know what Leeds' weaknesses were and they exploited every one of them. Yeah, absolutely, Rob. And there's uh, just a question here I'm going to bring up saying, you know, do we still need a defensive midfielder? McFred have said their role as well. There's Matic and Garner on the bench. I don't think we need one. Like, this is the whole, again, the the kind of, you know, the polarised Twitter opinion where something has to be true or false. You know, it has to be one or the other. Well, if you could get yourself Kante as a defensive midfielder or someone like that, then I might be up for it. But don't go and buy me a £10 million defensive midfielder who just does defensive things because... He's a, he's a specialist. I don't think in this 4-2-3-1 you need a specialist defensive midfielder. Not like this. What you need is energy. You need people that understand the ethic of the formation. And this is why I think like now moving forward that if Donny van der Beek has added a few more pounds of muscle and Donny van der Beek's um, energy levels are higher, which we saw in preseason, certainly. And we saw that Donny van der Beek's uh, ball retention was better in preseason than it had been last season then there is an opportunity for Donny van der Beek to play football in the double pivot. But last year, we've explained already why Donny didn't play that role. And it had nothing to do with preferences. It's just that he played it badly. So he has to learn that, that his place in this team is in that double pivot. But he's got to fight Fred and McTominay, who do the job properly every week. It doesn't matter whether you went through Ajax's system. I've heard this loads. People tweeting me again saying, he went through Ajax's system. He's a cultured player. He's a baller and all of this. It doesn't matter. What matters is winning games. And Donny van der Beek hasn't helped Man United win football matches, not as of yet. But I looked at that yesterday and I thought, yeah, Donny could fit this system. If it's exactly like this and his out ball is Pogba, yeah, so he gets the ball and he's just got to play 20 yards to Paul Pogba. And then Pogba can look up and Bruno can make that, that kind of second and third man run across into that channel. You're away. It doesn't matter who you play. You can play Man City and you will destroy them. If you can play Liverpool, you will destroy them. And they're the best other two teams in the division. Chelsea, much more of a kind of more sensible defensive formation. They would sit in a lower block and try and stop you playing that system. But that would show that it would then be a case of kind of attack versus defence, wouldn't it? And as United fans, we would always much prefer to see us on the front foot than the back foot. Yeah, I actually, um, I agree with you on the Donny point. You know, so last season, I wouldn't have said that because he wasn't showing anything. Me neither. Especially, especially that this is a, this is a funny thing as well, Rob. You see people say, see, why is, you know, Donny played well against Everton in the preseason. See, Donny's been doing this the whole time. He hasn't though. That's the point. But actually he's, from the small sample size that we've seen of him in preseason, and he's definitely packed on the pounds. We said this in the last podcast. I'm now happy to turn around and say, right, yeah, I would like, I'd love to see Donny in that midfield. If Donny could be the functional and defensive side better than McFred, one mm -hmm. of them, he will start instead of them because he's a better footballer. In There's my going opinion. to be games where, like, yes, like we know what Leeds do, don't we? Leeds like to play a kind of higher pressing style. 
they will chase everything. They are a pack of dogs. That's the Bielsa formation. It's like chase everything and get forward. But they forward. didn't do that yesterday, Rob. But they, they didn't, didn't do it. What they did was what they did in the second game last season. So when we hammered yeah. them 6-1 and they got a reality check, Bielsa then in that second changed game it, yeah. changed it, played much more controlled, and they played a kind of more man-for-man system. So they kind of, when someone had the ball, they were pressed but it wasn't a kind of all-encompassing press kind of pushing forward, pushing the game that way. Now, they didn't do that yesterday. It was much more kind of like the second way of what they did before, but it was almost trying to avoid being blown away. And what happened was that as soon as it got to one all, because that was the turning point, it wasn't when United were leading the game. When it went to one all, United got offended that the game had gone to one all and just turned it on. And within minutes had kind of blown leads away and shown that they were technically superior, kind of every position in kind of being more aggressive and being more motivated and being faster and doing all of those things that you want to see the tick boxes, they're ticked. They did it. And Leeds suddenly were just like rabbit in headlights. So that's how Leeds played yesterday. They didn't play a normal system. And I think that hurts them. I think they should have just come to us and played their system because they know it and it's been successful. And, you know, if you're going to lose 6-1, well, you lost 5-1 anyway by not playing it. So you might as well play it and give it a go and maybe score some goals. Um, and the only time I think, just to, to kind of uh, reflect on that, looking at our back four and talking about future going forward, obviously Varane coming to the football club, there was only really once or twice where Leeds got the ball, where they were trying to get the ball behind Maguire and Lindelof couldn't cover. I think it happened once or twice in the first half. And Bamford obviously trying to play between the two centre-backs. But that was the only thing he had in the whole game. He had nothing and he couldn't. the ball wasn't going wide. It wasn't coming in for him. There was no kind of service. So Patrick Bamford had a very, you know, ineffective day at the office. And that's not really his fault. But I think going forward, when you look at that, you'll find that United do play a lone striker quite a lot against them. And it will be about having that coverage at the back because they might only get one chance or two chances like Leeds had yesterday. But then you need someone with pace to look after that function. And now Manchester United have got someone with pace. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, get your questions in as well. We're gonna we're gonna move on. So like hopefully, you know, if you've got some tactical questions, please do chuck them in the in the chat. That's what we will be answering today. But Rob, let's talk about Rafael Vran. Honestly, that entrance, that presentation before I absolutely you know why? None of this social media videos and all this rubbish. That was that was like old school, wasn't it? That was pure. That was that's the way yeah. I want to see players star players you know presented to the old trafford crowd i mean got, you were there so you can talk to the listeners i mean it just it just went crazy i got goosebumps so i just thought it was amazing but what firstly great pr move by manchester united mm -hmm. i think that was a stick really really smart got the crowd absolutely going and varan looks really happy i know i sound shocked yeah. saying that He's moved to Manchester, used to live in Madrid. I know these are like little things, but he looked genuinely happy to be there. I very much doubt he's ever had a reception like that from the Real Madrid fans where after one game, they're, they're waving the white handkerchiefs. He's going to be adored at this club. And I just thought that was such a clever move from the from Manchester United. But what's he also going to bring to this Manchester United side? Because we saw Lindelof yesterday. Like you said, United play a high line all the time. It's not something that United did yesterday for the first time. They always play a high line. Very rarely do you actually see Lindelof and Maguire done for, for pacing behind. Um, but some, bringing someone in like Varane, and we've spoken about his qualities in, in the podcast. If you guys haven't seen that, do go and check that out. Myself and Rob break down his statistics and what he will bring to Manchester United. But a world-class player like that is going to change this team, isn't he? Yeah, okay. again, I'm trying to uh, not too high, not too low, but uh, let's get high a little bit on this. Let's go a little bit higher than moderate, yeah? Gas mark four or five. Um, 
The thing about Varane is that, yes, he's world-class. Yes, he's been in multiple finals, kind of like, was it 25 finals or something and 125 or something crazy like that? Yeah, he's won, paid, paid 18 or 14 he's or 18 won, and won all of them. He's won four Champions League, which is why people call him Champions League Varane. Yeah. You know, he's won a World Cup. He's done it all. He's He knows what winning is and what it takes to win. And that's really important, bringing that culture into the football club when you purchase a big player. So maybe in some ways, that's just to kind of flip it. We will talk more about Varane. But, you know, we just talked about Jack Grealish earlier on that's what Jack Grealish will struggle with because he's never been at a club in that culture he's been at a mid-table team and now he has to kind of change his own personal culture to being an outright winner so when you play badly it doesn't matter you've got to win so that's the tough thing Varane on the other hand has been a Real Madrid team that's been failing maybe for the last couple of years not because of him but he's been part of that circus and and you've seen that they've gone into decline and his days I think were naturally numbered there but at 28 years old he's certainly not finished you know he's still got all of those key components that make him a world-class defender and he is truly a world-class footballer he's got all of the medals to prove it now when we talked about there about the um, Lindelof and Maguire one of the things that they really did correct last year and we talked about this, I think, in our kind of end of season show was about how, like you just said, that they don't get done for pace, which is good for two players who are not quick. So how do they do that? Well, they've learned to play a high line. They've got better trust in their fullbacks, better trust in each other and better trust in the goalkeeping function. So they kind of you see that the ball zips around the back line a little bit much, a little bit more smoother than it did maybe, say, two years ago, where it always just looked shambolic. It does sometimes still look shambolic, but most of the time it looks OK. What you've got now is that Harry Maguire's game, which we know is to come out and be a progressive centre-back, go forward with the ball. He now has that pace behind him and he knows it's always there. And that means a lot because it means that Harry Maguire will be braver. It means Harry Maguire will play more progressive passes. It means Luke Shaw will get up the pitch a lot quicker because Luke Shaw's yeah. going, I'm going this way. Like, we said this about Luke Shaw, didn't we, at the end of the season? Luke Shaw's learnt to be Luke Shaw up here. Luke Shaw's gone... I need to get forward. I need to cross the ball. I need to get assists. I need to be progressive. And then everything else I kind of sort out afterwards. You know, if I've got a cover, I'll get back. I'll work. I'll do all the hard stuff. So wan is in the same boat this year. But now wan doesn't look inside and say, Victor Lindelof's one-on-one with Jamie Vardy. Do I stick and twist? No, I'm still going because I now need to be Aaron wan I need to be what Luke Shaw's doing on that side over there. But hey, I've got Champions League Varane 20 yards behind me. So there is a kind of, it's, it's, a, it's about balance. And I think this is where Ole's squad building has been incredibly impressive because he's identified that that is what you need, not just big names, but balance. How do I get the player that comes in that gives me the balance? I see questions there about Jaden Sancho in, in our comments. Jaden Sancho obviously only came on for 10 minutes. Jaden Sancho fits this 4-2-3-1 like a glove. Yeah, 100%. Dortmund play this system and they've played it a lot. And people say, well, Dortmund play 4-3-3. They haven't. They've played 4-2-3-1 a hell of a lot. And we saw that when Jaden came on the pitch yesterday, where did he go? Straight to the left. He played on the left. He didn't go on the right. And people obviously think that Jaden Sancho is a right winger. So he can do both. We know that. He's played mostly on the left for Dortmund six, in the last six, four months. 60, when you first joined in first season, they played 30 and started off on the left. The last yep. two seasons, he's played 60 games and he's played them on the right. His numbers, yep. actually, if you do goals and assists per game, is better on the left. But less games, isn't it, Rob? But you can do both. It's, it's pennies. It's pennies out of the pound. It's really not, it's not huge. It's not like, oh, if he plays on the left, he can't be as productive as he is on the right. You know, and, that, and that's kind of the same thing people say about Marcus because it looks more natural on the left. But actually, when you look at his 
figures, he was still getting as many goals and assists from the right as he was the left. So it's about that, isn't it? That's what runs the game, those kind of stats. So I think when you look at, at Jaden and you look at the 4-2-3-1, you look at Varane coming in and you look at maybe Maguire being more progressive and the fullbacks pushing on, the whole shape of the team is about penetrating the penalty area. And United have not been good at that under su successive managers. They were poor with it with Van Gaal. With Mourinho, it was kind of non-existent. The whole game was about how can we feed Lukaku. Poor Romelu Lukaku was having to kind of do 25 different things, dropping in and out. They wanted him to tap the ball in, but they wanted him to play with his back to goal, and they wanted him to go in the channel sometimes. And, oh, it was too much. So United now have a system that works. Now we'll go back to Mason Greenwood, like you said at the start. Mason Greenwood fits that system like a glove because he can play the nine but still shift to the right. Sancho can play the left but switch to the right at the drop of a hat now. You've got Bruno who can go either side. And now you've got Paul Pogba behind it, who I like to call the puppet master, who can look up, get his head up and see three or four really, really good players in front of him. And he is going to find them seven or eight times out of ten. Now, if you do that repetitively, match after match after match after match, you get to like March or April in the season and you're in the top two or three and you're close to the title. So that's the whole premise of why United are trying to do this. So I, I like the system. I like the players. I think when Varane comes in, it's going to take it all to a kind of another level. He'll need a little time to settle in. Like I'm not saying he's going to, you know, because he's been at Real Madrid, the things at Manchester United will be, you know, ideal for him. But he understands pressure and how to process pressure in maybe ways that other players don't. And like you said, I've never seen anyone so happy. Like on his Instagram, he's like laughing and giggling away. He came out, and like you know, that moment, I could see him from my position on the halfway line. I could see down the tunnel, him quite far down the tunnel. And I said to kind of a few people around me, I went, oh, there's Varane. He is definitely coming out. And you could see him back and he kind of walked, his silhouette moved forward and they gave him the shirt. And I was like, wow, wait for this in 10 seconds when people see him actually walk out. And the place went ballistic. And it didn't do it justice on the TV. I've watched it on the TV a few times just to see what it felt like on BT. Uh, and it didn't feel like it did in the stadium. The stadium was bouncing and rocking. Like, it reminded me when Paul Scholes scored the goal and went in the top corner in the Champions League. That's what it reminded me of. The yes, rafters, yeah. the rafters shaking like this. And, and it was just for a player walking out on the football pitch. United fans understand what this player means and what it could mean for United going forward. You've just seen uh, City today with their strongest 11 at the moment, maybe by De Bruyne, who obviously came on later on. They don't have a striker like Aguero anymore. And they looked average. It was their first game, of course. But they look like they've got a lot of things to work out. Man United don't look like they've got a lot of things to work out. Look, They look like a team that've got more to spare. And Ole now just has to maybe find a rotation that keeps... United winning games convincingly and go into game two, into game three, into game six, into game 12 with the same kind of moniker. It's kind of the balance is there every week. And do you know what? If I drop Donny in the pivot, it's not going to ruin my my chances of winning. And if Paul Pogba has a night off, then I'm going to play someone else on the left, going to play Jaden on the left this week. And hey, do you know what? Greenwood's played six games in a row. I'm going to play Anthony Martial. United have got all these pieces in the place now. And they haven't had that in the last two or three years, and it is a significant change. And I think United fans need to be very buoyant about what they're seeing. No, Rob, I agree with that. I, I just, it, it did just take me aback how happy Varane looked. It really did. And I think United, Oli knows this, the fans know this, but this is the other thing about the, the Old Trafford faithful. 
they're very they're very supportive, very loyal to to players, to the manager, and you know Varane won't be in a situation, in my opinion, where, you know, if he makes a mistake or he, he struggles a little bit initially, where he's going to have the fans on his back, they will support him till the very end. And I think that is the most important thing. So something I do want to actually quickly bring up, Rob, is that uh, it's a question. It's more of a tactical one here from Ben saying, do we still need a midfielder to carry the ball forward, though? It's only Maguire. I can see that's wonderfully. Maguire progresses the ball very, very well. But, you know, is that a good point that, you know, United maybe do? Because I, I kind of agree with that point as well, that maybe United do need someone else in midfield who can do the same thing. But, you know, it worked well yesterday. I think McTominay has moments where he's a good carrier. I think he can do that pretty well. He can uh, he can take the ball forward. But I think uh, that is that United are going to become a bit unstuck when they play teams who play a lower block. Totally disagree. I disagree because you don't need anyone in midfield in a 4-2-3-1 of this system having ball-carrying capabilities from the midfield. That's not what it's about. It's about moving and shifting the ball. So you don't need Scott McTominay kind of tapping the ball five yards forward over the halfway line because you're deeper and you give it to that player. So let's look at it this way. Michael Carrick used to be the screener at United. So Carrick would be the guy that would pick the ball off the midfield, off the defenders. But you always found that the guy that started the ball carrying going forward every week was who? Rio Ferdinand. And what happened was that Nemanja Vidic over time also became a little bit more of a ball carrier, so he'd bring it forward. So United would be in the opposition's half before the game had even started. That's where they start. That's their starting point. That's what United are doing now. So I don't want a midfielder coming and taking the ball of Harry Maguire, who is better than anyone at carrying the ball forward there. So you say about buying a midfielder that can carry the ball, and it's a kind of faux point, because who is that player, first of all? Where do you go and buy him from? And why do you change your system suddenly to kind of ruin your double pivot? Because you want someone to carry the ball. You want your double pivot to have the energy, like I keep saying and doing this. And you want Harry Maguire literally looking up, head up, going, I've got Varane on my inside. I'm carrying that ball into the space. It's not about having the tag of midfielder. And I think this is maybe where fans get the get maybe um, not confused, but maybe irrationally put out by it. Is that ball carriers are centre-backs now. Yeah, all centre-backs generally are good at carrying the ball. So Arsenal just bought Ben White. Ben White has got functionality issues yeah in terms of how maybe he defends and his physicality and all that but what is he he's a ball carrier so he can carry the ball from that area and eventually they'll build around that Harry Maguire came to Manchester United as a ball carrier that's why we bought him that was exactly why Mourinho wanted him the year before you know he wanted him because he was a ball carrier not because he's the quickest but because he's a ball carrier so let him carry the ball. Don't go and buy a midfielder to do his job because he doesn't need to do that. I think you'll see in the weeks ahead now, you'll see Harry Maguire carrying the ball to the edge of the opposition box at times because if that channel is open, he's just going to go with it. And you, he's he not, knows behind he's got someone with the pace to... He can he can get there. If he loses the ball at the end of the pitch, he's 80 yards from goal. It's fine. You know, no one's going to counter-attack on you from the edge of their own box, not in general. And like you're saying there, Varane's now got the pace to cover him. And I think you'll see Varane do that as well. I think Varane is a, is a competent ball carrier. I think he's more traditional defending in terms of his... His, his physique and his style and he can kind of do lots of the what I would call English centre-back things you know he can he's got he can kind of go one-on-one -on -one with Jules so for instance if you play Chelsea we talked about there Romelu Lukaku is going to lead that line now you're going to say to Rafa Varane go and take care of Romelu yeah if he runs that central channel you just stick with him and let Harry be the ball carrier that's all you do you don't need a midfielder coming to get the ball so someone like Kante can do that but again I said to you earlier if you want a proper midfielder that does that then you need to go and find someone as good as Kante 
and they don't exist at the moment. They're not on this planet. They haven't built them. They're not in the kind of uh, production line. Someone talks about Camavinga doing it, yeah? Camavinga's 18, can do box-to-box -box stuff, but if I'm asking an 18-year-old to come and get the ball and be my ball carrier, I probably need my head looking at. Yeah, it doesn't work, not in the Premier League. It might work in five years' time, but it's a progressive thing. So I, I'm more than happy with the, with the ball carriers United got. And I would be happy for Victor Lindelof to be that ball carrier if, say, Harry Maguire wasn't in the team and you had Rafael Varane there with him, say, Maguire gets injured or he needs a rest, then I think Lindelof can carry the ball into that space. He's not; a, He hasn't got a problem with the ball there. And he came to the football club as a ball carrier as well. He was That's what he was known for. So let players do what they do well and don't overthink those functions by saying, well, a midfielder should do it because you don't need a Michael Carrick in there screening. What you need is just to work in this system now in a 4-2-3-1. And you see that Freddie McTominay are quite natural of... of of going into the space. So when the centre-back goes, Fred just tucks and allows yeah. that space, looks after the space. They don't go too far back. It's not suddenly five at the back, is it? And you let one go. It doesn't work like that. It's still progressive. And that makes me happy because I see that and I think that I understand what they're trying to do, even if it doesn't work every time. But it's certainly working more now than being a kind of failing point. I do think as well, Rob, you're going to see Wan-Bissaka now. He's going to be told to do what I'm sure he is already told, but he's going to be doing what Luke Shaw does on the other side maybe he won't do it as well but he will be going and and his starting position will be a lot higher knowing that he has got Varane behind him but um Rob I've got a question here saying do we have the personnel to deal with the low better I think we do I think the fact if you have Paul Pogba playing further forward get him um up you know into those pockets of space he's also very good at with his ball retention um and then you've got Jane Sancho as well Rob like, I think Obviously, Sancho only had a couple of minutes here and there at the game, but Jane Sancho is going to be a really, really big part of this Manchester United side. I, don't th I actually don't think that, uh, maybe you fans do, but I don't think general fans in the Premier League know how good Jaden Sancho actually is. I think a lot of people are sleeping on him. And in that, in some ways, actually, it's almost as if, as if Sancho has less pressure on him. That's what I'm sort of seeing. We're not seeing a lot, of, um, a lot of pressure from the media about Jaden Sancho. Firstly, he's not a £100 million player. And you're going to see Jack Grealish. Look at the scrutiny Jack Grealish is getting today. I think Jack Grealish is a wonderful player. We, I don't want to talk about him today. But Sancho's come in, £73 million. We're not seeing very much about him. I think Oli will integrate him slowly. But I think he's going to be a fantastic player for us this season, obviously, provided he settles. But especially in the final third, one of the big things about Sancho is uh, his ball retention and his creativity. And that's going to help United tenfold when they play against teams who sit back. Absolutely. And, and the reason why you buy a certain player in a certain position is not because you just want to strengthen that position, but you want to strengthen the five positions around it. So like we just saying there, Aaron Wambasaka. If he's playing with Jaden Sancho, say, week in, week out, that's kind of where United go with the selection. And he's got Varane in there week in, week out. Aaron wan is going to be better. Simple as that. And as we said earlier on in his stats in another show, his stats, he got as many assists as Luke Shaw last year. So that's something that, again, is mythology busting. People kind of go, well, Luke was the better player. And he was for me, no doubt about it. Luke was up my player of the season. But he actually statistically wasn't that much better. And I think, as well as I said before, Aaron wan I think, had three more clean sheets than Luke Shaw last season. So I think he had 13 overall. So, yes, absolutely. I think you see that. Just to kind of um, address address the question about the low block how many teams played a low block in the premier league Haydar? it depends the answer four, is this no the answer four. is the answer is this not enough to get worried about it yeah so if you're playing the low block 12 times a 12 times 
you know, out of 16, yeah, when you're playing week after week after week, then you have to find a way to beat the low block. So teams are not going to come to Old Trafford and necessarily play the low block. So Leeds tried to play a much deeper system yesterday, but they're still a team that are trying to get out. So like I said, they kind of do a man-to-man press thing. So that's what I think you'll see more teams do is that they'll come and they'll do that. Now, I think teams will suffer when they play one up top against United and they allow maybe to, to play at a lower block and then United even will still have the ball retention in midfield because United start higher up the pitch. And that is the key, is that two or three years ago, Mourinho's team itself was a low block, essentially, and they were trying to kind of be cute in how they got the ball forward and playing on the counter-attack more. I don't think United are going to bother doing that. I think United are just going to say, you're going to play the low block and we're just going to come for you. We're going to come for you hard. We're just going to go. We're going to go quick through that channels. We're going to play those straight balls, and we're going to run. We've got pace. We've got skill. We've got technique, and we're going to show you. And when you do that, you intimidate opponents. So the low block then suddenly evaporates. So I think United played a kind of lowish block, didn't they? Against um, oh, who's in the Champions League? Nag- Nagelsmann's team has just gone out of my head. Oh yeah, Leipzig. So Leipzig kind of played a 3-4-3 and it was essentially a low block at times. And United destroyed it, absolutely ripped it to shreds. And I think United will say, well, if you come to Old Trafford and play a low block, we're going to put five past you. I don't think they're worried about that anymore. Whereas I think a season two or three ago, we all said United could only play in transition on the counter-attack because that was all they were doing. And every time they try to pass the ball inside, they lose it. And you'd be like, oh, even 12 months ago, we were kind of saying that. I don't feel that anymore. I think if you put technically gifted players in the key parts of the pitch, that is the floating eights we just talked about, that's the number 10, that's maybe in the wider channels, and maybe is your number nine who's coming in and out a little bit more, I think that's fine. You get the ball to those players and you say, play. Go and play the game, and then maybe one of McTominay and Fred will break forward and help with that as an extra runner. And that extra runner then opens up the pitch because it means that they've got to cover it. And I, I just think that those things that maybe we were asking a year ago or two years ago as being massive deficiencies, I don't see them anymore. I don't see them game to game when I look at the stats. I don't look back and go, oh, look, United just couldn't pass through these teams. I don't think they'd have to. I think they can play their own style of football and I think they'll hurt opponents. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, that's not as problem as it was i think um you know for manchester united this season though it is about winning those games that they didn't win last season against those smaller teams um so look I, i'm pretty positive going with rob i saw i saw i saw things come together you know i saw what ollie's trying to do i saw what i saw the attacking players know what they were expected to do you know we've, they've had mm-hmm. three years under this manager now they know what they have to do and i think that's the key understanding their roles but rob before we wrap up i just want to talk about uh graham sunez today and you obviously saw his his comments regarding paul pogba and um you saw the fact that obviously he's saying he's a hundred million pound player and he's expected to get four assists i mean uh, you know i know we talk about paul pogba all the time i'd love him to stay I think you saw yesterday what a fantastic player he is. It really doesn't matter what Paul Pogba does. There's always going to be certain sections of the fan base. There's going to be certain sections of the media that won't give him his dues. Yesterday, he got four assists, Rob. Was that the only seven other players have done that? Was that right? In, in, the, pre- in, Premier, in Premier League, League history, in Premier League history, only seven players have ever got four assists on a Premier League pitch in one game. So you saw history yesterday. You know, he he put in a historical performance. I think it's the only time a Manchester United player has ever done it. I think it's in terms of the stats. Yeah. So that in itself is is an amazing thing. And, and like you just talked about Graham Sooner say, I'm, I want to talk about what he didn't say. Because what he did say was that you should expect that of a £100 million player. 
But, you know, no one has come out of today's performance of Manchester City losing 1-0 and gone, well, Drak Greeley should have got four assists today, should he? Who is actually a £100 million player. Paul Pogba wasn't £100 no, million pounds when yeah. he came to United. But let's not, you know, kind of dilly-dally over numerics. Um, I think as hard as Paul goes, it's about him being happy. It's about him being part of a good team. And I stress that because there's so much over the years he's been part of an average United side. Even the Mourinho team that won kind of two or three trophies, it still wasn't the greatest team ever. You know, we were still very Ander Herrera heavy. You know, it was that kind of level of talent. Now I think when you look at it and you look at kind of what's around Paul Pogba, Paul gets his head up and he looks over the far side and he sees Jadon Sancho. And he kind of looks inside and he sees Bruno Fernandes. And then he looks and sees gunman Mason running that channel and he's like, this is fun. I'm up for this. And I don't think it's about whether Paul Pogba wants to play a certain style. I just think he plays how he plays the game. And you must put him in dangerous parts of the pitch. If you put him in front in your double pivot and he loses the ball, you're all going to get upset that he dilly-dallied on the ball and say that he does that every week and that's the kind of player he is and he's lazy and etc. As far as Graham Souness goes, Graham Souness could have had the kahunas to say today, do you know what? Yeah, I don't rate Paul Pogba. But you know what? He was magnificent yesterday. That's all he had to say. Didn't have to say anything else. Didn't have to talk about 100 million this, 100 million that. He could have just ended it on that and kind of been humble with it. And his lack of you know, humility in that moment is a reflection of him at the end of the day. But as United fans, we don't have to worry about Graham Souness. Um, he's a pundit. He gets paid to make noise. He makes pay to make uh, pay to get people upset. Adam, he does that very, very well. So I'm sure his employers are very happy with what he's putting out there. Last point, Rob, before we wrap up, I do also want to say, so I watched Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's um, on-the-pitch uh, interview after the game. He was with, I think it was with Rio and Jake Humphrey, um, you know, the sort of BT coverage. And yeah. uh, something that Oli said, which was so key, and it's so clear that Oli and Pogba have a great relationship, they have an understanding. He said, look, I just want Paul to be happy. That's the first thing. I want him to yeah. enjoy playing this football. And uh, I've got a great relationship. I've known him since he's a kid. I, I coached him in the academy. And I think that, there is there is a relationship there, and, and Paul does look happy. And he does, long yeah. may these long may these performances continue because he's an absolutely fantastic player. And uh, look, we're lucky to have that sort of performance. Him and Bruno Fernandez yesterday were just unplayable, and it's just beautiful to see. And they're really they really they've got a great little sort of bromance going as well. You know, they they love playing with each other, and we don't need to go oh Bruno against Pogba like some of the fan base do. Just appreciate no. and enjoy them. And we're so lucky because for a lot of the last seven years we haven't had quality in our squad. Yeah, I want to make one point about that. It's about what you said about Ole, because it's very, very true. When Manchester United lost David Moyes, or forced him out the door, you could say, and we went for Van Gaal, Van Gaal was my first choice to get the job. And when Van Gaal did his kind of two years, Mourinho was my first choice to get the job for different reasons, yeah? One of the best things that Van Gaal did, and one of the best things that I thought he said overall was about how he treats footballers as human beings. So he was like, it's not about just the techniques of the game and putting people on a, on a pitch and saying, you do this and you do that. That, of course, is part of the coaching system. But it's about understanding that these are human beings and that human beings, even when they have untold amount of money and riches and all of this, is that mental health is a massive part of it. And you have to treat these boys like they're part of your family. That it's a tight little unit of players, maybe in the first team squad, 16 to 20 players. You might have them players on the fringes and obviously the youth team. And you've got to kind of look at a way of making sure that they trust what you're doing. So Van Gaal did that and he kind of rebooted that culture at United. So I think where we, where Moyes it had skewed 
And then when Mourinho came in, he destroyed that. He set it all on fire, poured gasoline on it, lit matches, tried to kill players and all of this because that's what he does. Then Ole kind of came in and reset that button that Van Gaal kind of put in place. And he's known uh, Paul Pogba since, as he said on the telly, I've known Paul since he was this high. That's what he said. And he has known him and he's known him all that time. And he knows to get the best out of any player, you have to make them believe in what you're saying and what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're the greatest tactician in the world or not. It's about how you communicate. Effective communication in all forms of management is how you run businesses and how you run football teams. It's the truth. So I think Ole does that really, really well. I don't see the tactical deficiencies that I think a lot of United fans always talk about. And they always refer it against that thing about a defensive midfielder or where you play Pogba or kind of, you know, what how, do we have midfielders that can carry balls and all of this? I don't think it's about that. I think it's about making players trust what you do and then letting them interpret what you do. And I certainly think Paul Pogba is an artist. And I think if you say to him, go out there and be the artist, be that player that makes that final ball, be the creator, go out there, score me 12 goals a year, get me 12 assists, play as a floating eight and be the man. I think Paul Pogba's up for that. Now what's important is that Manchester United give him the money he deserves because it's not on the table. He hasn't got the offer that he deserves. And eventually, maybe in 12 months' time, he'll leave. Or you might even find that United, in desperation because they can't negotiate a contract, might not sell him now before August the 31st, but then they might sell him in the transfer window that comes up in, in, in the winter. And that would be worse for United because then you're taking out a major part of your potential championship-winning squad and not really doing anything with it. Do you know what I mean? You're losing a play. You might get... 20, 30, 40 million back, but then you'd have to spend it very quickly on someone who's probably not as good as Paul Pogba. The, the ideal scenario here is to get Paul Pogba a contract that he wants to sign, keep him at the football club for, say, another three to four years, make him a leader of the team. He already is. He's the leader of that dressing room, and people don't realise that. You know, I saw before the game, in the warm-up before, and said, you don't see this, obviously, on the TV cameras, he went round to every player on the pitch yeah, and kind of went up to them, hands on their face, hand round them, and was saying, come on, and banging the badge and walking around. Now, you don't see that. That's not the narrative. People want you to believe that Paul Pogba is too cool for school, doesn't want to really be there. Just pay me the money and I'll take an Instagram shot. That's not the truth. He's a pure footballer. We need to keep that boy at this football club. We need to play him as the floating eight. And I think we are then potentially onto a title winning season. I completely agree with that. Rob, final, final word. Will he resign? He's he's happy enough to resign. He's always wanted to resign. And if United pay him, he will resign. Okay, let's flip it. Because I think he will, if he gets the offer he wants, he will resign. Mm -hmm. Will the club give him what he wants? That's that's actually the question, I think, rather than does he want okay. to resign. I, I've got an answer for that. I've got, a, I've got a, an acute answer for that. I went and did my old little walk around Old Trafford like I always do. I always do the same walks to observe stuff and look and look at new, uh, either the merch or looking at the advertising or how United structure the offer around Old Trafford, what they do in terms of managerial, like what what's the focus. There is not one picture of Paul Pogba in the stadium, around the stadium, and there is not one shirt in the, shirt, in, in the merchandise shop with Paul Pogba's name on it. Wow. Take that what you will. That, so that, that suggests he's, he won't sign. You had you had Maguire with the new shirt. You had Cavani with the seven. You had Jaden Chancellor twenty five. You had Rashford's number. You had a Luke Shaw number, 
and there was not a sniff of a Paul Pogba product in the shop. And I think that might might be United preparing to move on from Paul Pogba. But like I've always said here, because they don't want to pay him the money or they want to restructure their own wage bill and that's, it doesn't really fit their plan, they could be looking at that saying, right, let's get 50 million for Paul Pogba if we can, and then we'll kind of replace him over a period of time with a player that suits our financial structure a little bit more. Now, that might not be a disaster. That might actually work. I don't think that... Paul Pogba is the only player in the world. You can sell him and buy someone that fits your system. It can happen. Um, however, as it stands, there is not one mention of Paul Pogba at Old Trafford anywhere. So even on the front, did you see, I took a picture yesterday, guys, yeah, you go on front, my, yeah. my Twitter, you'll see that there it says we're home and it's Jaden Sancho, it's Marcus, it's Cavani, it's Bruno. He's, Pogba's not even in the shot. He's not even in it. It's not, not even a sniff of him. Him and Martial are not in the shot. Take of that what you will. And that's that's future planning. So I think United would like to sign him, but only on the contract that fits their wage bill. Now, they might get him on that. Pogba might renege in the end. They go, do you know what? I don't want to go to PSG. Because I don't think he really does. I really don't. He could have nah, gone to I PSG. don't think he does. If PSG spent signing for 50 million and give him 400,000 pounds a week, my God, they're going to get done by FIFA. It's going to happen. You know, they can't do it now with Messi. So that's an issue. But, you know, there might be Juventus coming. There might be Real Madrid. There's other, there are other football clubs on the earth. But Manchester United will pay him a better wage than everyone else. And I think that he believes in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And do you know what? If he believes in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and he signs a contract, you should believe in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And that's the way I look at it. I think these players believe in him. So I'm, I'm willing to run with it. I want to see more football. I want to see how it unfolds. And, you know, 12 months time, we could be sat here talking about one of the greatest seasons ever with United. Because I think this team has got the ability to shock and awe. And that's the first time, I think, for even go back into Fergie's years, like when we won the title Van Persie, that team was all right. It wasn't great, but it was good enough to beat everyone else. This, this, this team is better. This team is, is more, it's more fun, it's got more talent, it's more got balance. a much, much higher ceiling, and it's just about how you make those things work together and get the coaching team doing it in a kind of consistent way that, that people maybe can see a little bit more. Because I think there's a lot of the non-believers are willing to kind of take the kind of tiniest details that they don't like, and then they blow them up into like the hugest things. They might see a bad pass from McTominay and say, oh, he can't possibly play in Man United's team. And then you see McTominay run you know, like 20k across a pitch like a dog and you think, no, you actually need a dog in there. That's what you need. You know, that's how this system will work. So I'm happy with what we're seeing. And I think Paul Pogba is. And I think that's the general feeling from his camp is that he is, he's more than happy at United. And I, and he enjoys playing with Bruno, Marcus and Jaden. I think that's the other side of it. He looks at Jaden Sancho and he thinks, Grand yeah, that's, Rob. this is the kind of player that I like to play with. This, this is my... You know, if we're talking Paul Pogba football verbally. These are the players I think he would pick, you know, in world football. I think he'd go, yeah, I like him. I like him. I like him. Now they're in his team and he's not playing with maybe more water carriers in terms of the, the talent around him. He's not playing next to Matic, where Matic is someone who's going to sit and hold. And that means Pogba's got to be the, the, the person that progresses the ball more. That's a much kind of acute responsibility for any player. But hey, Paul Pogba's the floating eight up the pitch. United are going to win more games. That's the way I look at it. And he's going to be happier. Four assists in a Premier League game. No one should be sniffing at that. That's an outrageous contribution. On day one of the season, when your fitness is low, when you're not at your best, you know, the idea now is for, not for Pogba to get four assists every week. But hey, if you got an assist every other game, 
for the whole season, and he can do that, he's good enough, then United win the title. It's as simple as that. Uh, so my final word, Rob, before we wrap up, is one thing, you make a great point that if if Pogba signs a new contract, and he be- that shows that he does believe Oli can win trophies. And that's why Pogba's wanted to go for all these years, because he wants to win trophies and the, the quality around him has not been good enough. The second point I want to make, actually, as well, is that you say four assists. They were all quality assists. They weren't little five-yard passes. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the last thing I want. But look, guys, thanks so much for joining us. We will be back next week for another masterclass. We'll also have the second episode of the FPL fancy football masterclass which is uh rob's little baby obviously rob's uh, in the top one percent like he was telling everyone the other day so definitely check not that out the moment. i don't think i am but not it, right yeah. now yeah with your little picks but, game you know, week one hey salah yeah. Sal brought it back for me so i'm all right <laughs> exactly but uh look guys also keep a lookout for the rob cast that'll be coming out soon as well that'll be rob doing sort of 15 to 20 minutes daily about united news so definitely hit the subscribe button if you're new here and i can see a lot of people that are listening on twitter come over to the youtube channel the football masterclass hit the subscribe button we'd love to see you here more often we've had some really great new listeners here today and then obviously a lot of the amazing regulars as well so thank you very much yeah, guys, if, if you subscribe to the uh, to our YouTube channel, that will give you the quickest way of seeing all our content now. So, of course, you uh, a lot of you guys are Twitter heads and you see all of our stuff on Twitter and we will be posting on there like we always do. And you'll be able to see it on your timelines. But, of course, if you do it on, if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, click, obviously, uh, the notification bell every time we go live or every time we do a new show. And there's going to be a lot more coming this year. You will see it before anyone else. Absolutely. And guys, you can also hit the notification button if you want to be notified when we have shows. So guys, thanks very much for listening. Great result for Manchester United. We're allowed to get a little bit high today and we'll see you next time. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.